Hi everyone, and welcome to the July 19th edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. My name is Taylor Edwards, and I am this summer's intern. I'm going to be reading to you today the top four stories from this week's edition. The first story I have for you today is from the front page and is called Ammoniation Stretches Hay Supplies During Drought. This is brought to us from Linda Geist from the University of Missouri. As hay supplies dwindle, University of Missouri Extension agronomist Rusty Lee is showing forage producers how to use a simple, inexpensive treatment to stretch supplies during drought. Moniation boosts the nutritive value and digestibility of poor quality hay, corn stalks, wheat straw, and other feedstuffs that livestock producers turn to when hay is in short supply, Lee says. The process makes roughages more digestible for cows and horses. Moniation takes one week to a month, depending on temperature, two to three weeks in the summer. Lee recommends one week if the temperature is 85 degrees Fahrenheit or higher, and up to four weeks in the winter. Lee says three weeks is a good average. Step by step. Lee gives us these steps. Stack round bells seven at a time, four bells side by side and three on top. Cover with heavy mill 100 foot plastic. Secure the edges of the plastic by covering them with soil or waste slime. Tamp soil down to seal securely. Prefill your ammonia tank to the correct amount to avoid risk of overtreating. Lee suggests 60 pounds of anhydrous ammonia per ton of hay. Slowly add ammonia by cracking the valve on the anhydrous ammonia tank. Allow ammonia to trickle into the middle of the hay bales overnight. Wear proper safety equipment when working around ammonia. Air out bales three days before feeding to allow the ammonia to clear. Do not uncover in windy conditions. Air out before testing forage to check improvement. Calculating the value. Current anhydrous prices run about $960 per ton. This translates to $28.80 for the recommended rate of 60 pounds per ton. That's $14.40 of anhydrous per 1,000 pound bale, says Lee. By spending $14.40 plus some labor, we can improve the feed value of a $60 straw bale, he says. It does not become the equivalent of good grass hay, but with good hay eclipsing $100 per bale, the $14.40 spent should make a positive return on investment. Only ammoniate poor quality forages, Lee says. High quality forages can become toxic after ammonia treatment and cause crazy cow syndrome when fed. After ammoniating, uncover and air out for about three days. Then test forage quality using procedures described in the MU Extension publication, Missouri's Ultimate Feed Alternative, Ammoniated Tall Fescue. There's a link included so you can access that easily. Ammoniation also can reduce toxicity from endophyte-infested forages. MU Extension State Forage Specialist Craig Robert says MU studies show that ammoniated tall fescue is about five times less toxic than infected pastures. Nutritional boost. Ammoniation can double the crude protein of low-quality forages and increase the total digestible nutrients by up to 20%, says MU Extension beef nutritionist Eric Bailey. Producers should consider herd nutritional needs when feeding ammoniated forages. Energy will be limiting in diets built around ammoniated, low-quality forages, especially for cows nursing calves, Bailey says. Ammoniated forage will meet the nutrient requirements of pregnant, non-lactating females, but any winter calving cows with a calf or cows in the last trimester of gestation before calving will need additional energy supplement. For more information, Lee's contact information is here, and you can reach him 
Uh, there's also a link for drought resources. Linda Geist is a senior strategic communication associate for the University of Missouri Office of Extension. Accompanying this story on our front page, we have our association perspective from Rod out in Region 6 and a story about the Montana stock growers' appeal that they have filed against the Bureau of Land Management. The next story I have for y'all will come from the management section of this week's extra called Consider Weaning Now. Wean calves early to reduce nutrient needs during drought by Patrick Davis, University of Missouri. Early wean calves to reduce cow herd nutrient needs to match drought-limited feed resources, says Patrick Davis, University of Missouri Extension Livestock Field Specialist. In addition, early weaning can improve calf performance because calves are put on a more nutritious diet following weaning. Davis offers strategies to help cattle producers be successful in early weaning calves. Age is a consideration when early weaning calves, says Davis. Calves have been weaned as early as 60 days, but this is not usually practical in most beef cattle operations. It is more practical to wean calves at approximately 120 days of age. Getting calves to consume their feed ration as quickly as possible once they are weaned is key to a successful early weaning program, he says. One way to aid in this is creep feeding the calves three to four weeks before weaning them to get them adapted to a diet similar to their weaning diet. In addition, top dressing the initial weaning diet with good quality hay for the first three to five days may help the calves improve consumption more quickly after weaning. Once calves are properly consuming the weaning diet, daily consumption should be from 2.75% to 3.25% of their body weight. Early weaning calves requires more attention to detail when it comes to developing a feeding program, says Davis. Diets need to be palatable, free of dust, and formulated to meet all the calves' nutrient needs. Adding water or liquid supplements such as molasses to the diet will help with dust control, reduce sorting, and in the case of the latter, improve palatability. Make sure calves have free choice access to a mineral, trace mineral, and vitamin supplement formulated to meet their needs. Davis suggests visiting with your local MU Extension Livestock Specialist to help develop a proper feeding program for your early weaned calves. Proper animal management and weaning area setup aids in successful early weaning program, he says. Sort calves and allocate them to the weaning areas based on size to cut down on competition during feeding. Since newly weaned calves like to walk the fence line, Davis urges putting water and feed there to aid in those calves' intake of these things. Make sure water is cold and clean. Water equipment should be cleaned regularly. Davis suggests weaning areas be small and have proper shelter and dust control. A proper cattle operation health program is important to cut down on morbidity and mortality of early weaned calves, says Davis. He urges consultation with your local large animal veterinarian and developing a proper health program for your cattle operation before early weaning calves. Some things that should be considered into the program. Processing calves, including tagging, branding, and castration at least 14 days prior to weaning. Provide proper internal and external parasite control, including fly control. Proper vaccines prior to weaning. Monitor calves daily for symptoms of respiratory disease, digestive disturbances, scours, and reduction of dietary intake. Work with your veterinarian to treat these symptoms. One benefit that early weaning does to a cattle operation is improve forage availability to cows, says Davis. As the rain comes, the forage will begin to regrow. 
Davis urges early weaning calves to improve forage resources for the cow herd as we move into the fall and winter. Contact your local MU Extension Livestock Specialist for more information on early weaning calves. As an editor's note, Patrick Davis is a University of Missouri Livestock Specialist and Director for Cedar County. The other two stories in our management section for the week are our Gizmos column and a story on planting an annual pasture within a perennial pasture to help offset and combat some of those drought repercussions. I'm also going to be reading you guys our story from the health and nutrition section for the week. This story is titled High Ergot Levels Negatively Affect Cattle and it is brought to us by Heather Smith Thomas. Ergot is a fungus that grows on certain grasses and grains when moisture conditions are just right. It becomes a problem mainly after a wet growing season, but rarely during dry conditions. The fungus replaces the seed head with a dark brown-black mass that produces toxic alkaloids. One or more of the kernels in the seed head are replaced with this dark, hard ergot body. Various types of alkaloids in ergot affect cattle in different ways. Some affect the nervous system, resulting in muscle spasms in the hind legs, incoordination, loss of balance, and sometimes a temporary paralysis. More commonly, the alkaloids impair blood circulation to extremities due to constricted blood vessels, which can result in loss of ears, tail, or feet. Mild cases of ergot poisoning may show up as poor production, lower weight gain, reduced milk production, inability to handle hot or cold weather, reproductive problems, or abortion. The alkaloids restrict blood and milk flow. Ergot is most common in grains, but it can infect wheatgrass, brome, wild rye, and a number of other wild grasses. An ergot fungus that mainly grows on rye produces a condition called ryegrass staggers in cattle. Another type infects barley and creates another class of toxins. Research is looking at how the ergot develops and how long it takes for the ergot body to start putting alkaloids into the seed. Feeding trials at the University of Saskatchewan aimed to determine the threshold at which performance is reduced due to ergot contamination of the feed and investigating the different alkaloids. Jenna Sarich, a student at the university, has been researching ergot levels in cattle feed. She found that feedlot cattle develop problems even when levels are within what has been considered safe limits, especially during warmer temperatures. She started her master's studies with Gabriel Ribeiro, whose research focuses on developing nutritional strategies to improve health, performance, and profitability of beef cattle, which includes optimizing grain and forage processing technologies to improve rumen health, feed efficiency, and beef cattle productivity. There were three parts to my master's project, explains Sayrich. In the first one, we took samples from across western Canada and analyzed the profiles of these ergot-contaminated feed samples. We wanted to see if the toxicity of the ergot changes based on location, climate, or the crop it was growing in. This was a full study, starting at the beginning of the background period in early November, continuing all the way to the end of finishing in late June for a total of 231 days. The second part of her project was studying ergot in the rumen. Sayrich collected rumen fluid and feed material from the gut of a cannulated animal and put it into an artificial rumen. It has artificial saliva coming in and a port for liquid coming out, Sayrich explains. We were able to collect the gas produced, and it also had continuous mixing to simulate actual rumen contractions. We fed the ergot into this at toxic levels of 20 parts per million to see its effects on the microbiome within the simulated rumen. 
We also fed a microtoxin binder to see if this might help alleviate the impact. This study is now published in the Journal of Animal Science. The third part involved cattle in the feedlot at the Livestock and Forage Center of Excellence near Saskatoon. Sarich had 240 steers separated into 16 different pens. She then fed different levels of ergot, all within the recommended levels, which is currently 2 parts per million to 3 parts per million. Ergot toxicity changes depending on many factors, she says, so it's difficult to pinpoint exactly how much is safe. The steers' diets had ergot alkaloids included at increasing levels. Zero, control without ergot. 0.25 parts per million. 1.5 parts per million. And 3 parts per million. We saw some effects during backgrounding, but these were not as evident as coming into the finishing phase when we started seeing symptoms after daytime temperatures reached about 68 degrees Fahrenheit, Sayrich says. The animals on the three parts per million diet had increasing respiratory rate and open mouth panting with increased saliva and heat stress symptoms. We also saw them splashing in their water bowls trying to cool themselves. This created muddy conditions in their pen. Cattle would lie in the mud to try to cool off, she explains. We'd know which cattle were receiving the three parts per million level in their feed just by the state of their pen. Whether that spring was very hot and it was forecasted to increase with no overnight cooling. On May 13th, the researchers took those animals off the three parts per million diet and started feeding them on the control diet. This wasn't a part of the study, but it added an interesting facet, says Sarage. We saw these animals experience a significant drop in dry matter intake in average daily gain when they showed signs of heat stress. We took them off the ergot and started feeding the control diet. By the end of the study, about 40 days later, they had significant gain and ended up about the same way as the control animals. The steers receiving the second highest concentration, 1.5 parts per million, continue to have reduced growth performance, but to a lesser extent than the animals on the three parts per million diet, she explained. Study results showed there was a significant increase in body temperature in animals on the high levels of ergot. Body temperature increased with more ergot in the diet with a parallel decrease in performance. During the study, many other measurements were taken as well. Ergot causes specific symptoms if the animals consumed ergot at toxic levels, mainly the blood vessels constrict. They may lose blood flow to the ears, tail, and limbs, Sayrich explains. I took thermogram images of the head and ears to make sure we could see any changes in blood flow to the ears. The study also analyzed the feet to check for any lameness due to constricted blood flow. They used growth-safe systems to measure individual feed intake and behavior. Researchers collected data on growth performance, body temperature, blood and hair parameters, and carcass performance. The results in this study show that if cattle producers feed ergot-infected forage, they should do so at levels less than 1.5 parts per million especially during spring and summer, since performance and welfare of the animals were affected when consuming levels higher than 0.75 parts per million. As an editor's note, Heather Smith-Thomas is a freelance writer and cattlewoman from Idaho. The lead photo is courtesy of the University of Missouri. In addition to this article, we have two others in our health and nutrition section. Those are on pneumonia and pink eye, which have been pretty prevalent issues this summer. So y'all be sure to go and check those out. The last story I'm going to be reading to you all today comes from the marketing section of the extra and is titled Markets Affect International Trade. Beef and Cattle Trade Responds to Cattle Market Conditions by Daryl Pill of Oklahoma State University. 
Cattle and beef markets are undergoing a sharp transition in 2023, with ever tighter cattle numbers, declining beef production, and sharply higher cattle and beef prices. These market conditions are expected to affect international trade of U.S. cattle and beef. Reduced beef supplies and higher prices are projected to lead to reduced beef exports and increased beef imports. The strength of the U.S. dollar and the ramifications of exchange rates may further exaggerate or mute these underlying market forces. The relatively strong dollar in recent months has tended to dampen beef exports and increased imports. Unique market factors in specific countries will also affect trade flows in particular markets. The most recent trade data confirms that the expected consequences are indeed developing. Beef exports in the latest data for May are down 19.9% year-over-year. Total beef exports for the year-to-date are down 11.4% compared to the record pace in 2022. Beef exports began to weaken in late 2022 and have been down year-over-year each month for the past seven months. Beef exports to Japan were down 36.4% year-over-year in May and are down 13.9% for January through May compared to last year. Exports to South Korea were down 14% in May, contributing to an 11.3% decrease year-over-year thus far in 2023. For the year-to-date, South Korea is the largest market for beef exports, ahead of Japan so far this year. China and Hong Kong remains the number three beef export market, but it's down 9.3% for the January to May period, following an 11.1 year-over-year decrease in May. Mexico remains the number four beef export market and is the only major market that is higher, up to 10.3% year-over-year for the year-to-date, but it was down 5.4% in May compared to one year ago. Beef exports to the number five market, Canada, were up 22.7% in May, holding the year-to-date total to a 3.3% decrease compared to last year. Taiwan is the number six beef export market and was up 7.8% year-over-year in May, but remains down 16.1% for the first five months of the year compared to one year ago. Total beef imports were up 5.7% year-over-year in May. For the year thus far, beef imports are down a scant 0.6% compared to the first five months of last year. Beef imports appear to be reverting to more traditional import patterns, with May imports of beef from Australia up 39.1% and imports from New Zealand up 23.2% for the month. For the January to May period, beef imports from Australia are up 23.9%, with New Zealand up 9% year-over-year. Australia is currently the fifth largest beef import source behind fourth place New Zealand. Canada remains the leading beef import source with May imports down 6.9% and a year-to-date total up 2.3%. Mexico is the number two beef import source with May imports down 4.1% and cumulative imports for the year down 11.9%. Brazil is the third largest source of beef imports, with May imports down 9.2% and total imports down 11.5% thus far in 2023. Beef imports will continue to be supported by higher domestic beef prices and the reduction in U.S. beef supplies due to reduced cow slaughter. Cattle imports from Mexico are rebounding sharply from the 15-year low in 2022. Total cattle imports from Mexico for the year thus far were up 49% in May and are up 37.4% for the January to May period. 
increased cattle imports from Mexico offsets a 16.5% year-to-date in decrease in cattle imports from Canada, leading to an 11.1% increase in total cattle imports thus far in 2023. Very dynamic U.S. market conditions will continue to affect beef and cattle trade flows for the foreseeable future. As an editor's note, Daryl Peel is a livestock marketing specialist for Oklahoma State University Extension. This article was reprinted with permission from the Oklahoma State University Extension's Cow-Calf Corner newsletter. Contact Daryl Peel to subscribe. Following this article in our marketing section, we have our market closeout and an article explaining just how much you should be paying for replacements in your herd. To find these articles and more, visit angusbeefbulletin.com forward slash extra. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these articles this week and hope to see you for the next edition.